Welcome to C2C, everyone. Today, a great guest, great company, mission-driven company, unusual, exciting mission, but I'm not going to tell that story. Our guest is. So welcome Rod Johnson, who is co-founder of a company called Black and Bold. Thank you. Thank you for having me today, Gary. Nice to meet you and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about my journey and, and hopefully add some value to your, your listeners. Absolutely. So tell our listeners your, you know, your background story. My understanding is you've, you've just passed the five year mark with your company. So congrats on that. Tell, tell our listeners what inspired you to do this, what your mission is, uh, you know, what makes your company unique? Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, we just surpassed that proverbial mile marker of five years and we're really, really excited about that. But it took a lot to get here <laughs> uh, from from us launching back in, in 2018. And, you know, that was really the culmination of my business partner and I really just being unfulfilled um, in, in a variety of ways. You know, we were um, career professionals, you know, working in the profit and uh, nonprofit spaces. Myself as a fundraiser for academic and healthcare institutions, and Pernell, my business partner, working for um, you know Fortune 50 companies and uh, building um, small business brands, essentially. So we had the these skill sets, and we're working and satisfied with our careers, but just weren't um, satisfied with the end result uh, of our efforts and. Um, one day, you know, Pernell gave me a call and he asked the question if I drank coffee. And, and, and at the time, I didn't drink coffee. Hmm. Um, and he went on to tell me um, about this idea that he had um, and, and how that could be a, a gumbo of a lot of our interests. And one conversation led to the other. And, um, you know, we found ourselves applying for an LLC and then ultimately launching our um, online business June 1st of 2018. That's that's terrific. And um, you're you're a unique company. You you know, as a, a small, innovative company, you've had some really, really neat partnerships. The NBA, Marvel Comics, others. Tell us tell us about that and how you managed to swing those partnerships. Well, to your to the point that you made, you know, it starts with one having a quality product. So at, at our source, at our core, uh, we're a coffee roastery located in Des Moines, Iowa. But what differentiates us from others in the coffee industry is the fact that we are built upon social impact. Uh, and social impact as defined by us by giving back to organizations that support youth in need. Uh, Pernell and, and myself were at one point classified uh, as youth in need and, and as we were able to um, surpass expectations of our uh, demographic, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we served as a resource to, to others who um, may not necessarily be in, um, may not be uh, motivated or, or, or may not see themselves in a position outside of what, what's in front of them. And um, larger corporations like the NBA, Ben and & Jerry's, and Marble share in those, um, those, those sentiments of, of being a resource and, and being a model for, for youth in need. And, um, it's, and so again, in our maturation, um, you know, we've been uh, fortunate enough to align with those businesses that have shared value and, and really amplify what we're trying to do for youth in need by way of coffee. That is, uh, that's great. And, you know, tell us about the community you serve. Tell us about youth in need. Tell us, get, tell us, 
Tell our listeners some of the specifics of, of how you make yeah. that actionable. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're a coffee for all, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we're, we're a nationally distributed brand by way of our retail partners, um, Target, Albertsons, Walgreens. But again, we're, we're using um, our, you know, 5% of our gross profits to support um, 14 organizations across America uh, that, again, are, are predicated on um, advancing the life skills of, of youth in need. Here in Des Moines, Iowa, which is where we're, we're based, um, we support By Degrees Foundation, and it's an it's an amazing organization that um, that that, that complements the public school system, if you will, by adding auxiliary programming, um, in school counselors, and just other resources, so that students have a more well-rounded experience, the well-rounded K through 12 experience. Uh, there are also other organizations that we support in metropolitan areas like Chicago uh, and, and New York that are focused on um, eradicating food insecurity. Right. Um, you, when we think about um, who was most at risk uh, or who suffered the most uh, when school shut down, um, it, you know, it, it was kids who rely on um the free lunch, free and reduced lunch at school. And, and so, um, you know, while we were uh, or are unable at this point to, to solve that issue, we're at least pouring into the organizations that um, are teaching kids how to grow their own food, the importance of urban farming, the importance of healthy life choices. Um, you know, those organizations, like I said, in Chicago and um, in New York are urban growers collective, um, as well as city growers. So again, you know, our, our, our focus as an organization um, is to um, not have one singular focus, um, but really to pour into the organizations that, that are servicing youth in need as a whole. So you're in a category, crowded category. Beverages is very crowded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Coffee is crowded. Tea is crowded. How do you stand out? Yeah, you know, I would say one uh, again, being a, a social impact company. You know that that's mm -hmm. something that um, is a, a huge um, differentiator for us. Uh, two, it's to be innovative. Uh, so when you think about our product portfolio, it spans across however people consume coffee um, outside of, of a coffee shop. Um, so we have our, our core, our base, which is our bag, the coffee, you have your beans and your, your ground coffee. Uh, but last summer, uh, we, we partnered with, um, we took a couple of different um, uh, steps in some different directions. One uh, was to release our individual cold brew cans. So cold brew is the fastest growing segment in coffee. And we have Gen Z to thank for that. Uh, they, they love their energy and they love convenience. So cold brew is something that um, checks off a lot of boxes for them. And last summer we released um, four flavors um, of cold brew that uh, not only um, are highly caffeinated, but they're also low uh, in calorie intake. And so when you compare them to a lot of sugary energy drinks out there, this is a healthy alternative um, that consumers can can consider. So that's you know, one innovative product that we were able to, to bring to market. And then another that isn't necessarily innovative um, on the surface, but if you peel back a few layers, you'll, you'll see why we did it. And that's the release of our um, Keurig K-Cup pods. Mm -hmm. Now, 
K-Cups dominate the single-serve coffee industry. I think that they account for like 60-70% of all market share, uh, single-serve market share that is. But um, they don't have a ton of specialty coffee brands in their portfolio. What do I mean by specialty coffee? Uh, similar to wine, coffee is graded on a scale from one to 100 by the Specialty Coffee Association. A bunch of smart people get in a the room, they sit around at a the table, they bring up their grading rubric, and they taste the coffee, similar to like a sommelier in wine. Um, and they'll grade it um, based on its aroma, based on uh, what it tastes like at different boiling points or different brewing points, if you will. And from there, it's then scored, again, one to 100. Anything that receives a score from 80 to 100 is deemed specialty coffee. And this is what you typically find in coffee shops, right? Um, you know, your, your more niche, your more nuanced coffee shops, if you will. And, and I say all that to say that's the type of coffee that, that we source. Our, our formal name is Black and Bold Specialty Beverages. And the fact that we are now um, taking that, that very niche product, specialty coffee, and then pairing it with the, the largest single serve avenue, um, that's uh, another way to bring more people into, into our ecosystem, you know, who may be a bit uh, afraid of traditional brewing methods. You can now press a button and still get coffee house quality coffee at your home, essentially. So, you know, being innovative in those regards uh, help us to stand out among the, the very mature industry that is coffee. So I just learned something. I, I had no idea that it was like a wine weight rating for coffee, you know, zero to a hundred. I did not know that. Um, so now I got to ask a follow-up question, which is, you know, if you buy wine, not always, but frequently you will see, you know, this scored a 91 or this scored a yep. 93. That's why you ought to buy it. I don't, re I don't recall ever seeing that on coffee. Is that done in the industry or? It, it's not really prevalent. I mean, there may be a few specialty coffee brands that do that and, and maybe even some coffee shops that will boast the, the type of coffee that they have available, but it's not uh, something that is marketed because a lot of people don't know about it, right? They're like, what does this score of 91 mean? It's not, uh, you, you, there has to be some level of education to the consumer so that that badge can then have some some credibility but if you are interested the information is out there the specialty coffee association um has resources upon resources and, and years of data uh that you can uh look into to find out where the your your preference where that lies on the the specialty coffee spectrum would you ever think about putting it on your label this is this is it, it's something that we have considered it, yeah. it is something that we have considered again there's a, a level of education that we need to, to deploy first but uh that is it, it's in our back pocket yeah cool cool so you know i saw some some of your bags of coffee were branded with you know marvel comics or the nba um and i understand maybe you've branded some things with keto as well is that true yeah, uh, you know, our, um, you know, our keto friendly cold brews, that is right. Um, so uh, they have zero sugar. Um, there is a, um, you know, a naturally occurring sugar, allulose, that we use to, to sweeten it. But everything else is, is just the natural flavor of, of our coffee. And um, again, as we are um, positioning our cold brew as an alternative for sugary energy drinks that that's something that we, we think is going to uh, bolden our faith.
Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all the innovation you've done in the last five years, how, how do you and your team, Rod, how do you stay motivated to keep innovating? What, what drives you to keep coming up with the next thing? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's fun in some days, <laughs> right? I mean, when you get big wins like our, our licensing agreements with Marvel and the NBA, that, that's something that, that's extremely gratifying. Um, when you get a chance to partner with the likes of a Ben & Jerry's, uh, the, the premier B Corp, um, you know, that that's also a, a huge validator. So it's having those um, wins under our belt, um, you know, that that gives us more fuel in our tank. But really, it's it's what we're doing this for. It's so that we can be a, a vehicle, be a resource for those who otherwise um, just need a boost. Right. You know, a ton of talented people um, that are just in unfortunate circumstances. And if we're able to um, spark the fire in them for them to, you know, realize their full potential by way of, of, of a coffee um you know that that's that's a, a, a track that we want to continue and uh, a path that we want to continue to forge down and speaking of that uh if i have it right the math is impressive you know i know of companies who say we give you know one percent of our net profits to charitable good causes um but you're giving not just five percent you're giving five percent of revenue to these costs. Yeah, uh, top line, right? I mean, that's so a, we'll that pay that's, I don't know anybody else who does that. Do you know anybody else who does 5% I, of top line? I, I'm not certain, right? So maybe we're on to something or maybe we're... <laughs> maybe you're just, we're, you're we're, just super we're good people. You're just yeah, super I mean, good that, people. That's really what it is. It, it, I mean, yeah, thank you for that. I, I received that and I appreciate that. Um, you know, that... Uh, that kudos is is very validating, um, but it's you know it's that just feels like the right thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we started this business with the intent to to give back. My business partner and I grew up in Gary, Indiana, right? And I don't know if um, your your listenership is familiar with the area, but you know, at one point um, it was the epicenter of the steel industry for mm-hmm. america mm-hmm. um you know just that that you know indiana northwest indiana pennsylvania ohio that that area uh but then when those jobs are shipped overseas you leave those communities to fend for themselves and to to seek alternative means of survival and um you know that led gary to um you know really be the the poster child uh, of of those efforts if you will and um uh, it's not that people don't desire better it's just that they they're just not they don't have proximity to it mm-hmm. uh so to speak and so again if, if if i could use what i've learned um to give back to the community that i owe so much to my personality to my perseverance just to you know, to my whole ethos um then that's something that i want to continue to do yeah How, how'd you get to des moines to uh, to have the business <laughs> face, face there. I'm just curious. Oh gosh, it's, it's yeah. not you the know, epicenter my, of the coffee business, right? Not at all. You you don't think about you know coffee and Des Moines. Those don't go hand in hand. <laughs> 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 no, you know Des Moines and, and, and Iowa at large is known for corn. In fact, my house is surrounded by a cornfield. Um, prior to living in Des Moines, I lived in California. Uh, my goal after college was to avoid the snow at all costs. Mm. 
so I, I moved to, to California, but my business partner uh, had other plans for us, I guess. Um, you know, he, he met his wife, who is originally from Des Moines, and after yeah. they decided to grow their family, they moved to where uh, they had resources, and simultaneously, we were building the business. I, I was responsible in California for all things digital, so, you know, um, managing our social media, email, paid ads, et cetera, et cetera, while Pernell really manned the operations from his garage. Um, and once we outgrew the garage, he, he gave me a call and said, hey, man, do you want to trade those palm trees for cornfields? <laughs> like, that, that's, a, that's a big ask, my friend. Um, but but really, it, it was necessary, and I'm grateful uh, because I think a lot of opportunities have have manifest themselves just by us being in, in in close proximity. So I have him to blame for us being in Des Moines, but uh, that hasn't stopped us from having national accessibility. It's the great American success story: the startup in the garage. So it was a garage. Yeah. <laughs> It one thousand percent was a garage. You know, you can add our picture to the the likes of uh, the, the Amazon with Jeff Bezos and everybody else who started in a garage. Funny story about that or about this. Um, you know, we had to. It's a garage, right? Uh, and we um, we needed to do what we needed to do in order to make it a roastery. So we cut a hole in the, his garage yeah. so that we can have the the exhaust go out. And um, you know, we're self taught roasters and, and self-taught business people um and <laughs> during those earlier days when we were roasting coffee we weren't doing it right there was so much smoke emitting from the garage that the neighbors called the fire department ah. uh, thinking that the house was on fire uh we still have um that that first bag of beans it's as black as your shirt <laughs> as a reminder of uh, what not, not to roast coffee. When they called the fire department, they must have said, this house is on fire, but it smells great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it smelled so great, Gary. Those beans were, they were crispy. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. So, so, Rod, since so many of our listeners are food CPG innovators, you know, and they, they work on the bench, they work, you know, as food scientists, they work as creators, what, what can you share about a typical, you know, concept to creation to store shelf situation with coffee? How, when you have a new idea, you know, what, without divulging any trade secrets, what, you know, what is the process for you and your team? Yeah, um, well, you know, it really starts from the source um, and ensuring that your um, uh, that, that the beans have um, some some distinction to them, if you will. So coffee is a very absorbent plant and it takes on the characteristics of what's grown in close proximity. So you'll see often on coffee um, bags or specialty coffee bags, excuse me, um, and it'll read, you know, caramel, toffee, and nutty flavor. It's not that there were additives, you know, um, that were injected into the roasting process. That's just what the coffee naturally tastes like based on what's grown, like I said, in close proximity. So if we have an idea that, you know, hey, we want to, um, I'll use a couple of years ago, we, we decided that we wanted to feature um, uh, and highlight the differences of coffee grown in Ethiopia. 
which happens to be the birthplace of coffee. Um, we um, sourced from different farms and different co-ops in, in those areas and and then brought it back to our facility in Des Moines and did some test roasting, if you will. Um, you know, it, it, you take the green coffee and you roast it to different specifications with hopes to draw out um, different flavors, if you will. And, uh, so that R&D process takes takes a little bit of time. And then from there, when you have something that you know smells and looks the way that you want it to then it goes to cupping which is a very much so scientific process is, is what i referenced earlier that how coffee is graded um you know, you, you we have our roasters and um, anyone else who's interested in being highly caffeinated for the day and then there's a lot of taste testing if you will to um compare and contrast how uh, if a coffee should be a medium roast, or if it should be a light roast, or if it should be a dark roast. Um, and the, the variance between those different roast levels are like a couple of minutes, if you will. And so that cupping process um, gives us the opportunity to align on how long we want to roast a particular set of beans. And then from there, um, you know, uh, it's, it's time to shop it to, to, to different retailers if it's not just going to be an, an online only um, opportunity. So, you know, that's the uh, abridged version, but that R&D process is, is really where um, the decisions are made. Um, you know, there may be opportunity or maybe times where a farmer says, hey, you should roast this as a light roast. But during our process, we have determined that maybe this should be a medium roast because it really accentuates uh, certain flavors. So, Ultimately, there's just a, a lot of trial and error um, before we in the building um, are um, come to an agreement on, on taking a product to market. And that process, that iteration, uh, do the retailers sometimes jump in the loop and give feedback and direction as well? Not necessarily, um, but with our cold brew, for example, Target played a much more um, significant role than they would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so Target has the desire to be a um, destination for coffee and a destination for cold brew coffee in particular. Um, so they had a little bit more of a say-so in the um, the formulation and the aesthetics of, of our cold brew coffee. Um, and, and we absolutely welcomed that because um, that obviously, if they were going to be satisfied with it, that equates to uh, distribution. So um, it is atypical, um, but if there are opportunities like that that present themselves, then we can scoot over and, and have another seat at that R&D table. It makes sense because you mentioned Gener Generation Z being your friend on uh, cold brew pre-packaged. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously Target prides itself in its brand on staying in, in line with trends. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, um, they have their ears to the street, um, if, if you will. And, um, you know, as Generation Z continues to grow in, in, in numbers, it will behoove retailers and brands to pay attention to their interests. Mm -hmm. um, fortunate for us, we have insights that we leverage to um, to uh, make sure that we're, we're making the right decisions. And um, when we found out that, again, cold brew was the, the highest growing segment in coffee, those gears started to turn. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Target, uh, I was on your website. So, you know, you've, you've got a zip code finder for any folks who have not tried your coffee. But um, 
but you also direct ship, right, for folks who may not have a, yeah. a store. And you, you have sort of a, a subscription service as well. Yes, yes, that, that was um, our, our bread and butter initially, right? You know, when, when we were deciding what's our business model going to be, uh, we, we chose the path of least resistance and the one that had the fewest barriers of injury, uh, which pretty much eliminated brick and mortar, right? And not that we don't have any aspirations to have our own in-person experience. It just takes a lot to manage a a, a location. So um, our way of uh, getting to the people and being accessible is obviously having an online store where you can set it up, forget it, sign up for recurring orders, or be directed to one of our retail partners that's in close proximity to where you are. Excellent. Is there anything you can share without giving secrets away, Rod? Is there anything you can share with our listeners on, you know, what's next for Black and Gold? Yeah. Well, one, it will be to have our own in-person experience. You know, we uh, we think about our revenue channels, and you know, we have four legs to that table. Right? We have our e-com, uh, our, our digital experience. We have our retail um, uh, partners. Uh, we have our wholesale business. Uh, so when you think about hotels, universities, cafes, restaurants, you know, we partner uh, with the, some big players in, in that space so that our coffee um, can be experienced out of the home, but we don't want to be totally reliant on that to, again, curate what that black and bold in-person experience will be like. So eventually, I say eventually, as in within the next, um, you know, I'll call it two to four years or three to five years, um, we will have um, a few um, brick and mortar spaces. Um, it won't be to the same cadence as like a Starbucks or a Dunkin' um, because we have um, just different ideas as to what that space will be used for. We want to mm -hmm. find ways to um, uh, incorporate our social impact mission, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more tangibly into those spaces. So mm -hmm. is that more of a community center? Are there, is it, I, at, at minimum, it'll be multifaceted. They, they just won't be coffee shops, so to speak. So um, as we are still fleshing out those ideas, that is that is absolutely on the horizon. Um, in addition to that, we are in the process of standing up our nonprofit foundation. Uh, so rather than um, just writing checks from the forefather side of the business, we'll have a nonprofit experience that will, will really solidify all of our philanthropic efforts. Um, and then lastly, um, you know, we are, um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look to uh, reimagine what does headquarters look like um, so that it is a bit more consumer facing and, and we give people a reason to come visit the middle of middle America, aka Des Moines, Iowa. Well, I'd love to visit one of your stores when they open. I mean, it's another opportunity for you to just differentiate your branding, right? It's just because, you know, so many coffee shops, I mean, coffee shops are great. Everybody loves a coffee shop, but they're all sort of the same, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, there's a, a little bit of rinse and repeat yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that goes on with, with, with coffee shops. You know, in my, my role prior to starting this business, I did a lot of traveling and spent a lot of time in coffee shops. And um, to your point, you know, they, they kind of all look and feel the same. Um, and, you know, no, no, no fault to them. Uh, that just creates a lane, you know, for mm -hmm. those who are a little bit more innovative and, and creative in how they do things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's neat. So back to innovation, um, you know, 
any tips you can give to our listeners who are aspiring entrepreneurs or even working for a large company doing innovation? Um, yeah. You know, any any tips you would give them, any stories you would tell based on your experience? It, you know, I, I've said this a lot and I'm like, ah, should I continue to, to die on this hill? And it's like, I, I just fundamentally believe this, that, you know, there is an audience out there for you, even if you're in a crowded space like coffee, right? I mean, there are thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of, of coffee brands and coffee experiences in the U.S., let alone the world. I mean, coffee is the second most consumed beverage in America, right? Like, mm -hmm. And that's behind water. So you know, it's not like there's any shortage of coffee brands, but we felt as though this was something that was authentic to our lives. Right? Like I said, I spent a lot of time in coffee shops and I'm positive that Pernell's blood type is caffeine based on how much coffee <laughs> and caffeine that, that guy drinks. Uh, so it was something that was very authentic to us. And then we attached it to um, a mission that we both lived and and, and believe in and try to to eradicate. Um, and fortunate for us, there are there's a, a tribe of people out there who wanted that level of representation. Mm -hmm. So I think that people do a disservice to their communities to the communities that are out there that are just waiting to hear from them. So yeah. you know, get out of your own way. You know, imposter syndrome is real. Like I get it. We did not know how to. We didn't. We didn't come from entrepreneurial families. We we didn't come from um, uh, coffee really the coffee related industries. Right. We didn't. We didn't grow up around farmers or. Uh, serve you know be it be baristas or anything along those those lines it was really just a matter of um feeding that curiosity and that urge to um take more command over the impact we were making right we, we yeah. satisfied with our jobs but we, we, we wanted more and and we were able to to pursue that so anyone who has those aspirations whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur in a in a larger organization mm -hmm. uh don't um, be fear, fearful of, of failure um, because, you know, that that's just that, that's a part of it. And yeah. that's that, that only strengthens and, and sharpens that sword as you continue to to fight the good fight. Yeah. Don't don't just be better, be different. Right. And you, you folks really yeah. have created something that sounds like it's really different. I, I think so. I think so. And, um, you know, there's a I saw a, a saying. Um, recently, it was uh, something to the tune of, you know, go deeper, not wider. And right? mm. it's just like, you know, really uh, honing in on your craft as opposed to being a Jack or Jane of all trades. And that that's what we're doing. You know, we know our core product. We know um, who our core audience is. We know the, the demographic that we are trying to serve. At, and we do that. You know, we're not trying to spread ourselves too thin. And, and I think those that are in our ecosystem are appreciative of us speaking directly to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rod, before we go into wrap up, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about uh, Black and Bold Coffee? Gosh, um, you know, again, we are um, you know, a, a coffee company that, you know, doing some, some cool things. Most recently, we were uh, named in the Inc. 5000 as mm. uh, you know one of the fastest growing com privately owned companies in America. Congratulations! Uh, of those 5,000 brands, thank you for that. We were number 61 
Um, and, and they take into consideration the growth over three years. So for us, it was 2019 to, to 2022 where, uh, to be in the, to be on a list is amazing to be number 61, to be number one in the state, number two as a B Corp, you know, num top 10 in, in the food and beverage industry. I think that it's a testament to us answering the need uh, that, that consumers have, you know, they, they wanted a socially conscious brand they wanted quality coffee they wanted it uh convenient and accessible and, and the fact that we're able to check off those boxes i think is uh um, it, it resulted in us being on that list so um, we're not but we're not stopping there right we have a, a, a loftier goals and and i look forward to to stand on that list for as long as possible you uh, you've built a really neat company, and as the uh, as the old saying goes, you're not just doing well; you're doing good. Thank you, thank you for that. I want to thank my guest today, Rod Johnson, co-founder of Black and Bold Coffee. Check it out. Go to their website. Use your zip code finder. Try their coffee, and you know, Rod, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters C-T-O-C, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play.